0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. People are oftentimes hideous or tedious. Sometimes they are both. So is the world. We would have no use for myths if the world were neither hideous nor tedious. Yi Yun Lee, The Book of Goose I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week we're hosting another new release rundown with retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer and hip-hip-hooray online sales manager Aaron Fielding. Another session of From the Front Porch Book Club meets this month. Earlier this year, we added new levels of support over on Patreon. And for $20 a month, you can become a book club companion. This Patreon level includes all the benefits of our $5 tier. Plus, you get access to our From the Front Porch Book Club. In August, we discussed CJ Hauser's essay collection, The Crane Wife. And this month, Olivia will be hosting a conversation about Margarita Montemore's Acts of Violet. Both books were selections in our shelf subscription program and can be found in our online store. Become a $20 a month Patreon supporter to join our book club conversations. This month's meeting is on September 22nd, and we'd love to see you there. Don't forget to, as we discuss these titles today, if you purchase or pre order any of the books we talk about, you can enter new release please at checkout for 10% off your order. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com, scroll down our homepage to see this week's titles, or click podcast picks and new release rundown. Hi, guys. Hey, hello. Oh, there were three. Then there were three. We're growing, we're not shrinking, we're opposite of Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're doing Agatha Christie in reverse.
0: Yes, that's right. Hi, Erin.
2: Hi, hello. I'm so, this is honestly a dream come true to be on the <laughs> podcast with you guys.
0: Yay. This is Woo. so exciting. Erin is our online sales manager. If you are an online customer of ours or if you deal with customer service issues, Erin is your go to girl. And now she is here on From the Front Porch to help us talk about new releases. Erin. Tell us a little bit about your reading life, your reading genres, what you enjoy what are what's your reading taste? How would you describe it? Elevator pitch it for me.
2: <laughs> I've had to think about this a lot since starting my work at the bookshelf, but for me, I just love a well written book with characters who are complex. That's what always really gets me is when a character, good, bad, you know villainous hero. They just have to be well-written. They have to be believable. I like it when dialogue is believable. I like it when the plot is believable. I'm a very literal person. And so when things tend to skew towards the the mystical, the magical, the unbelievable, I'm a little like, no, thank you. That's not for me. But um, so I really read across all genres. I love nonfiction. I love fiction. I love sci-fi. I do love mystery. Um, the only one I'm kind of not as partial to is rom-coms. I'm finding out, but that's okay. Just not for me. For other people,
0: that's right. Good for you, not for me. That feels. I feel exactly. like that's the bookshelf. That's the bookshelf taste mantra. I do feel like I would love to draw a Venn diagram of Aaron, Olivia, Annie's tastes because I do feel like there are some books we all three have loved. Absolutely. And then you mentioned, Erin, like when things start to drift to the magical and I literally saw Olivia's face like light up at the word (laughs) magical. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Olivia, but it did.
1: (laughs) I'm not offended.
0: (laughs) And so it was just, but I thought, but you guys also read similarly, like you will often trade book recommendations back and forth. And so I was like, man, how would I draw a Venn diagram I guess Acts of Violet really is a book that we all three read. That might be the yeah, last. We liked
2: Wrong Place, yeah. Wrong Time, Project Diary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So Annie, I, did you read
1: Sea of Tranquility?
0: Not yet. It's still. I okay. kept it. Like I, w- I well, cleared there out was my air. I was like, I
1: actually don't know if you would love it or not. But Aaron I and I both really like that one.
0: Hunter thinks I'd like it and I do. I feel oh, like Hunter okay. will t- Hunter often steers me straight like he'll be okay. like no, you can skip that. So, I did keep it because I thought I do want to try that. But as we were talking off air, it's a real numbers game. <laughs> it's real <laughs> like like I finished a backlist title yesterday that I was dying to read and I loved it and I finished it and then promptly was like, well, that was a waste of time. Like yeah,
2: you feel guilty. <laughs> you feel guilty. <laughs> yeah.
0: Gotta, gotta read a new book. Anyway, Aaron, we're so glad to have you. So this is going to be like our typical new release rundowns or roundups. Depends on, <laughs> depends on the day, what we decide to call these episodes. So I picked, gosh, did I pick five or six books? Let me see.
1: I think you did six.
0: Six. I did six. How many did y'all do?
1: I have six. I have six also.
0: Oh, okay. Good job. Uh, we're going to ignore that that's 666, six, six, the number of the devil. And we're going to just <laughs> – <we're>, It's fine. <laughs> well, Olivia
2: has two to mention at the end. So can we that's call it right. eight? Okay. Great. Right. There you go.
0: That <laughs> was close. Oh, close call. Okay. Um. Okay. I'll get us started and then we'll just do Annie, Olivia, Erin. Uh, My first selection releases on September 6th. It's On the Rooftop by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. I read this book, it feels like many years ago, but it was, in fact, just a couple of months ago. Uh, Margaret Wilkerson-Sexton is the author of The Revisioners and A Kind of Freedom, both which were critically acclaimed, well-reviewed, and which I did not read. But when we received the ARC of On the Rooftop, I immediately snagged it because it sounded reminiscent of a Britt Bennett-style book a little bit Um We have four women at the heart of the book. It's a mom and her three daughters. They're living in 1950s San Francisco, and they're living in this Black neighborhood that is undergoing perhaps against the residents' – in fact, definitely against the residents' desires. It is being gentrified. And so the neighborhood is kind of ever-changing, but – while that landscape is changing at the heart of the book are these four women and this ambitious mom whose three daughters sing beautifully and are almost like in a temptation style singing group. And so you get these really lovely scenes on the rooftop where they're practicing the singing. That's where the book gets its title from. And then in some clubs in this neighborhood and the three daughters all feel very differently about their mother's ambitions for them and whether or not they want to continue in this singing group. And so the story is told, the book is told across those four voices, the mother's and her three daughters. And I just loved all of these characters quite a bit. It's a lot of character development. If you are plot-driven versus character-driven or whatever, I think this is probably more character-driven, but there is plot happening. Like These women are making decisions. They're trying to figure out who they're going to become, whether they might disagree with their mother or stand up to their mother or what have you. I also read a review of this book, and I didn't realize it until... I read the review and I thought, oh, of course, that it is reminiscent also of the Broadway musical Fiddler on the Roof, which is a musical that my family loves, that my dad loves. And so there is very much that generational tradition. What does family mean? Um, how How are you going to represent our family out in the world? And I love all of those themes. So this book I really, really loved. It is out on September 6th. I think I've not read her other two. But I think if you're going to try a Margaret Wilkerson Sexton book, I actually think this one might be the most accessible. So I think um, all of her works are pretty literary, considered literary fiction, but I think this one has a commercial appeal as well. So On the Rooftop by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton out on September 6th.
1: Okay. My first book is a middle grade novel. Actually, a lot of my books today are going to be middle grade novels, which was, this was a fun month for me. This is Learning to Fall by Sally Engelfried, and this is out September 6th as well. And this is her debut novel, and I was was blown away by it. It had, um, if anyone has heard me talk about the book, like Line Tender or All the Grays on Green Street, it had those vibes where you have this kid kind of going through a hardship to really learn to trust the people around them. But this is about a little girl named Daphne who lives just with her mother, but her mother is about to go to Europe because she just got casted in a big movie. And this is like her, her make or break it moment. So she sends her daughter for the summer to live with her father out in California, but her father hasn't really been a part of her life very much because he was dealing with alcoholism. Um, but he is on the recovery right now and, Mm -hmm. and going through those steps where he learns to like make amends with people that he may have hurt while he was an alcoholic. And one of those people was Daphne because he let her down the one time. And so she goes to spend the summer with her dad. And at first, she's very hesitant about it. But then they kind of rekindle their relationship through their love of skateboarding, which was a really fun aspect of this book, since my husband does know how to skateboard and... I know how to scooter. Um, But (laughs) totally the same. But
0: like. (laughs) Remember that time you scootered to the bookshelf and then you were like, "Mm, it's too hot here to do that?
1: Mistakes were made. Um, (laughs) But yeah, this was just a really, it was a very heartwarming book. Um, I really loved the character Daphne and I loved her father in this book too, because it was just a very, realistic portrayal of someone on the mend. Mm. And I I will say for those who are like worried about the alcoholism concept of the book, like he never once has a drink of alcohol in this entire book. Like he is doing this the right way and he is taking the correct steps. Mm. So it was just, it was a really, really good book.
0: That sounds very good.
2: Okay. My first book is the attic child by Lola J comes out September the 6th. I listened to this one on Libro FM. Which I would recommend because it has different narrators, which I always love. Thank you, audiobook uh, narrators, <laughs> when you pick different people for different characters. Um, it's written by a British author. She's an author, she's also a psychotherapist and was a foster child herself, which I think is really important to this story. Um, it's about, it's sort of two concurrent storylines. It's about Dikembe, who's a little boy in Africa and is brought to England sort of in order to pay off some debts that his family has accrued to some British uh, people where he lives. And so he's brought as like sort of a servant slash companion to England. This is in like 1903 and 1904. And then concurrently, you're also learning about this girl named Laura who is in Britain in like the 1970s. Um, and she uh, it's sort of, it's sort of almost like a Cinderella story where like her parents were married, her mother died, her father remarried, and the lady he re- remarried is like a terrible stepmother, basically, and is abusive and ends up, the storyline kind of comes together because they, Dikembe and Laura both end up locked up in an attic of the same home, like in two different story, you know, two different years. And so... <laughs> I'm like, it's a dark storyline. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So there is, you know, there is talk of abuse and um, just, you know, there's some icky things in there, but it's mm-hmm. told really well and it's well-written. And I I don't know, I just really enjoyed. So Laura is finding all these things that were left by Dikembe in the attic. So she's finding mm-hmm. them. She's uncovering the history. She's uncovering his story. And uh, I just thought it was really good.
0: Mm, That sounds intriguing. Okay, my next one is very different. (laughs) Very (laughs) different. It is called The Most Likely Club. This is by Alyssa Friedland. I have not read this, but I saw it on the release list for September and I thought, now that sounds like a good time. So this is a paperback original. All of Alyssa Friedland's books are that way. You might recognize her from a book called The Floating Feldmans or The Intermission, or I think most recently, Last Summer at the Golden Hotel. And they all kind of have. These very comforting covers. Like they're, I feel like um, a little bit like rom com covers, but these are not romantic comedies. They're like family dramas, paperback originals, stuff you can maybe stuff in your beach bag kind of thing. This one sounds fascinating. So, The Most Likely Club is about a group of four friends who all graduated in 1997. So, I think there will be a fun nostalgia element to this book. I've also seen, it almost feels like a trend where I've read a lot of books set in the 90s in the last few months. And I think. I think that's starting to be considered historical fiction. And I feel like (laughs) not okay. Not okay. I feel like we're starting to see a lot of it. But anyway, these four women graduated in 1997. They're approaching their 25th high school reunion. And I believe they like go to their reunion, and one of their fellow classmates like announces something or says something. And it causes these four women to really look at their lives, and they all were considered most likely to. So they all received senior superlatives their senior year, like most likely to join a Forbes 500 company, most likely to, I think one had to do with food, to win a Michelin star. And so they decide to make a pact that they're going to do their best to live into their senior superlatives and... (laughs) I just think this is such a funny concept because Jordan and I were just talking about like successes we had in high school. Like I wish if I could turn back time, I think I was thinking about this because of Emma Straub's book too. If I could turn back time, I would go back to 18, 17, 18-year-old Annie and kind of tell her, hey, like none of this really matters. You're doing great. Like you could have some fun if you wanted. And like I had a lot of fun, but my fun was very nerdy fun. (laughs) And I just want (laughs) her to know that like it doesn't really matter. Like nobody asks about her GPA. Nobody asks about her senior superlative. Like, no one cares. And so, I don't know. I, this sounds very fun to me. And I think if, it, if it's written well, the premise is really great. So, it's called The Most Likely Club by Alyssa Friedland. It's out on September
2: 6th. Did either one of you receive a senior superlative in high school? I was just going to
0: ask that. I no. did. You did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. What did you uh, actually in uh, so and my college was tiny. So in high school you and in college You got two? <laughs> uh, no, continue. <laughs> so in high school and in college I got the same superlative, most likely to succeed. As well. Oh my
1: gosh. Oh, and I think what you did. Have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's it's uh Annie B. Jones in a nutshell. My friends asked me the other day, Olivia, cause we read um that Tara Burton book, the one about World like boarding give. school or whatever. Yeah, World Cannot Give. We read that in Book Club. And in that book, she, the main character, is obsessed with a work of literature. And they all were like, What were you, like, what book were you obsessed with and would you have like become an advocate for in high school? And like, I definitely read like Fitzgerald books, but my quick gut response was um, the seven habits of highly effective teens which I <laughs> oh my <goodness. laughs> which uh, I just really took to heart <laughs> I was a certain kind of person it's not even your typical nerd honestly it's not even like good great it was very much... The most likely to succeed versus most intelligent uh, thing. I really cared more about success, which is gross. (laughs) So gross. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, Uh, Olivia, please tell us about your
1: book. I wanted a senior superlative so bad, but I didn't have enough friends. I wasn't well-known enough. I ghosted my way through high school and college.
0: Which one did you want?
1: Probably, either to like succeed or I mean, my high school did like weird ones because it was a performing mm-hmm. arts. So like they did one based off of like the arts too. I, I would have loved something about dance, but yeah, alas, here we
0: are. Um. <laughs> We're fine. No one's bitter. It's fine. We're great.
1: Loved high school. <laughs> My next book out September 13th is The Enigma of Room 622 by Joel Dicker. This one for me was like Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz meets um, A Murder Mystery written by Wes Anderson. I loved it so much because it was also like two books in one. This was a story of Joel, the author, uh, kind of dealing with the death of his publisher that had been working with him for like 15 years. They were really close. So it's him kind of telling his publisher's story and how he came to write his, his last book, this book, essentially. But then in the middle of all this, his book is about this murder mystery that happened in a Swiss hotel in room 622 and the characters in that part of the story are just so much fun and and truly feel like Wes Anderson type characters where you're like okay this is slightly realistic but also too quirky to be real if that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much, mostly because like, I'm a huge fan of both those things, Anthony Horowitz and Wes Anderson. So this was (laughs) truly my sweet spot. Um, But it also had this like heartwarming story of Joel and his publisher running throughout it that I really, I thought it was a really nice touch. This one is out September 13th. I think it might be in my top 10. I really, really liked it. Yeah. High praise.
2: Okay, my next one is, um, I actually haven't read, I will say that, but I'm going based off a couple of things. Keela recommended this book. It's called Ithaca by Claire North. It's coming out September the 6th. It is a retelling of the story of Penelope, who is the wife of Odysseus. So as we all know from ancient, or maybe we don't know, I don't know (laughs) what you were taught in your high school. (laughs) You're performing arts high school. (laughs) (laughs) but like he goes off on a journey he's gone forever everyone assumes he's dead and meanwhile this is sort of the story of Penelope back at home she's trying to hold together the kingdom it's mostly women based which I think it will be a fascinating you know point of view from the women who are left behind to sort of fend off attackers and keep the kingdom going and at the head of it is Penelope and you know her daughter is a character as well. So, but what I found interesting about this author is that she uses Claire North as a pen name, but she also is her name is actually Catherine Webb. She's also written things under the name Kate Griffin. So, if you've oh. ever read anything by any of those people, it's all the same person, <laughs> which I think is fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. I'm always here for a good retelling of like a Greek, you know, like bringing in myth, like Greek myth and and things like that. So,
0: should be good. That does sound good. I, and I am curious of the, I do think it's so valuable to like, look at the women's perspective right. and get that story. Cause we, for so long, were just told one side of the story. So that'll be good. My next one is one I've talked about a lot, so I won't talk about it too much here today, but it is called The Net Beneath Us. This is by Carol Dunbar. This is her debut novel. She is actually a woman who is living off the grid with her family in rural Wisconsin. And this book is set in rural Wisconsin. And the main character, Elsa, is trying to decide if she's going to continue living off the grid after her husband's tragic accident. So her husband and she moved out there. they decided to raise their kids out in kind of the woods of rural Wisconsin where he was raised, and he is in a lumber accident, and she really has to now decide like, can she do this on her own? Can she raise her children? Can she finish building the house? It's set over the course of a year. I love books that like are set. And you get one section in fall. like Mm -hmm. It's told seasonally. And the nature writing is great, which I would have certainly expected, where you get to see Wisconsin in fall, winter, spring, and summer. But really, to me, the star of the story is Elsa, who's the main character, and then her husband's aunt and uncle, who helped raise him. Um, They're essentially her in-laws, more or less. But they are very... Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert vibes from *Anne of Green Gables*. Like they're just kind of, um, especially the woman's kind of this tough Wisconsin woman, and she doesn't think Elsa knows what she's doing, and so there's some tension there. While they are all grieving their the loss of this person they love, and so the book is about living off the land, I guess, which is certainly what I thought it was going to be about. But it's also even more, I think, about grief and coping and family. And what that what that looks like, perhaps in an element different from what it looks like living on the grid, <laughs> um, in in a different city. So I really liked this book. I thought it was great. I was surprised it was a debut. The writing is really lovely as well. It's the Net Beneath Us by Carol Dunbar, and that is out on September thirteenth.
1: Okay, speaking of off the grid living, oh, what a nice segue. I had a segue. We did, and then I ranked it. it by pointing it out, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, My next book is another uh, middle grade novel. This is Billion Dollar Girl by Megan Scholl, and it's out September 13th as well. And this is about a little girl named River Ryland. She's 13. And like I was, she's five foot nine at 13. So she just appears a lot older. The struggle is real, everyone. Whoever else was five foot nine at age 13. I'm so so sorry. I hope you also (laughs) grew into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But River lives with her mother. Um, She's never met her father. She's never met any of her mother's family. And her mother had her when she was a teenager. So it's a it's a pretty neglectful living. Uh, River just eats like cold ramen packets for dinner. Like it's not great. And the principal is starting to notice that it's not great and so she like goes to her house after school one day cuz she wants this like the last day of school she wants to make sure river is safe for the summer and when river gets home before the principal gets there there's an eviction notice on there the locks are changed so she can't get into her house oh my god so everything just starts to spiral right in front of river but river breaks in by like going through the back window of the house. And she finds an address for one of her mother's sisters. So she takes this bus ride by herself and goes to this Island. I think it's like, it's off the West coast of the United States of America. I wasn't totally clear whether it's like California or Oregon or Washington area, but it's this Island where her mother's family lives there. And it's completely off the grid. There's like no electricity. Like they live off of the land. They, take care of the land and she starts to meet her family but she doesn't tell them that it's her she pretends to be an intern for the summer helping out with like the guests who come in but as we all know everything starts to you know entangle itself (laughs) together and and river kind of has to come clean about some stuff it was such a good book. Like you're hanging on pretty much every moment because you're so obsessed with river and you want to see her through this. I put it like akin to echo mountain by Mm -hmm. Lauren Wolk, such a great character running through the whole thing. And I loved her family and the resolution in the end was incredible. So that's Mm -hmm. billion dollar girl by Megan Scholl. All
2: right. My next book is back to the garden by Laurie R King. It comes out also September 6th. That's going to be a big day for releases. This author has written a lot of other uh, mystery-type novels. She has a character called Mary Russell, who's sort of a Sherlock Holmes-type detective. This one is a departure from that. It is set in California, like around the San Francisco area. And there's a huge estate, and the man who owns it is this reclusive like billionaire, you know, and he's letting them use it as like an art museum. Nobody can find him. And one day they go to move a statue and they discover human remains below the statue. So, of course, this detective is called in and named Raquel Lang, and she's working to uncover like they think it could be from a serial killer that was active back in the 70s. And that was sort of like when the estate was being used by this recluse, for like, sort of like hippie love, like almost cult-like activities, and so they're trying to figure out like, was it someone? Was it an accident? Was it someone killed by a serial killer? And in the you know, in the same time, they're also trying to find this man who's just gone off the grid. Speaking of, <laughs> he's gone off the grid again, and they're looking for him to try to see was he involved. Um, yeah, it's just really good. It's just so nice um, if you really enjoy this sort of cold case type books you know i would recommend this one it's, it's pretty good this is fiction oh, yeah yeah it is fiction <laughs> i'm so sorry yeah, yes you got, it you is got fiction
1: serial killers
0: you yeah. were like
2: i'm, I'm <laughs> I was like, juice. i love it
0: <laughs> did you see what i love i don't know if they'll set this clip apart but like our eyebrows but me and olivia like our eyebrows both went up when you were like serial killers or the bot you said the remains behind the statue we both were like oh tell us more do tell. <laughs> i guess that's the venn diagram there dead remains okay
2: okay <laughs> yeah, but okay
0: <laughs> okay my next one actually also i do think this would be a book that we all might enjoy, actually speaking of. So it's called All That's Left Unsaid. This is by Tracy Lean. Um, it comes out on September 13th. I'm listening to this one on Libro FM. I started and listening to that one. Did but you? The audio is great, I think. Yes. Okay. So the audio is great because I did not know this going in, but the book is set in Australia. I really knew nothing about this book. I just downloaded it from Libro because it looked interesting. But anyway, the author is Australian and it's another debut novel great on audio. It is about a family of Vietnamese refugees in Australia in the 90s. So again, kind of that nostalgia factor. And this is an aspect like I know nothing about the history of Australia. I really don't know much about the history of Vietnam. And so I find all of that kind of being woven into the story in a really interesting way. The book itself is about um Key. Key has a younger brother named Denny, and I almost I feel like I want to say it in Australian accents because that's what I've been hearing this whole time. Do it. Um <laughs> but anyway, so Denny is like Key is the older sister and she's living away from home, and her parents call her, and they're very kind of traditional Vietnamese parents. And they call her and tell her that her brother has died. And so she rushes home and finds out that her brother was murdered at, like, a restaurant, like, in view of a lot of people. But for some reason, no one knows who killed him, supposedly. And so he decides, he is a journalist, and she's like, I need to help the police with this case because the Vietnamese refugees are not – being honest with the police. They don't trust the police here in Australia. And so the only way I can find out what happened to my brother is by being a detective for him. And so what results is so far like alternating chapters of the different interviews that he conducts Trying to figure out what happened to her brother, um, it feels a little bit like the book Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. I feel like I make that comp a lot, but but there are quite a few books I feel like that are reminiscent of that. But then you also have this history of Australia, history of Vietnam, Vietnamese refugees in that country, which I did not know very much about, and so that has been really interesting, a really interesting part of the story. And then it's a brother sister story, which I always really love, um, and it's about this older sister trying to figure out what happened to her parents. And then also it's like first generation versus second generation immigrants trying to, like her parents didn't want an autopsy because of their beliefs and an autopsy would have helped figure out the cause of death. And so there's just all kinds of little things that um, that I thought made the story really um, true to life and, and complicated and nuanced um, in a way that, I wasn't anticipating. So I really like it. I've not finished it, but it is called All That's Left Unsaid by Tracy Lean. That's L-I-E-N out on September 13th.
1: Is it like written interview
0: style? It's not written in interview style, but at least in the audio book, like for example, one of the chapters all of a sudden is narrated by a child and you're like, what is happening? But it was a classmate of Denny's. And so it's told from that person's perspective. Then the next chapter is told from a teacher's perspective. So it's not interview style, but it's each of the people she's interviewing, it's their point of view. And they all talk about this Vietnamese sister like coming to ask them questions. So anyway, it makes for really interesting audiobook narration, but also just really interesting storytelling.
1: That does sound good. Okay, um, on a different note, this next book is called Otter by Catherine Applegate. It's out September 20th. That's the author of like one and only Bob and one and only Ivan.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and I think she had another one last year that I can't remember right now, but that I also really enjoyed. Um, she does really great books about animals and this one is no different. This is about a little otter. And just to be clear, the, the title is called Otter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about an otter.
0: <laughs> adorable already.
1: <laughs> I It basically has adorable written all over it. But what's really cool is it's actually um, about, like, it's based off of research um, about otters that the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California has conducted. So mm-hmm. some of the otters, it, this is their. This is their story, but she just changed their name a little bit, like protecting the otters like (laughs) identity. (laughs) They're very private animals. But this is about Otter who at first um, he gets separated by his mom when she goes fishing and the Monterey Bay Aquarium helps him out, rehabilitates him and puts, gets him back into the wild. But then Otter is like out there playing with his friend and there's a shark attack, but sharks don't eat Otters. Everyone calm down. I saw your faces. (laughs) They don't eat Otters. They don't like the fur. There's no blubber. So he gets bit by a shark, but the shark immediately releases him. And then the Monterey Bay Aquarium comes back and catches Otter and, um, you know, helps him heal and whatnot, gives him space away. From the wild ocean to heal. But then his best friend shows up and his best friend gets a bring in a baby otter for this otter to like start to mother and like nurse back so they can put it back in the ocean. It's just a really cute story. It's written all in verse. There's little illustrations throughout. Um oh, I read it in one sitting because it was so cute. Aww. But I loved it so much. Catherine Applegate, I think, is is a great author to follow, especially if your children are into animals. And this one, especially since it has a realistic side to it, I think in the mm-hmm. back it gives more information about the otters in the book as well.
0: Oh, that's great. I that
1: would have loved that
2: as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my next one is a series um, of short stories. It's called If I Survive You by Jonathan Scoffery. Es- Escoffery. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It also comes out September the sixth. Um, I really love this one. It is about a Jamaican family who moves to Miami to escape some political unrest in their home, and they are immigrants, and they <laughs> they face a lot of opposition from everyone, um, from whites for being black, from blacks for not being black enough. When he's in, it's basically a mom and a dad, and they're two, you know teenage young adult sons. And then there's another cousin who kind of features into the stories. And all the stories are separate, but they're all connected because they're a part of this family. So it's kind of showing how their, their son is the one that, although the parents keep experiencing difficulties, the one brother kind of keeps getting into these get rich schemes to try to make money. This one younger brother named Trelawney is the one that sort of holds the family together and keeps everyone grounded. And it's humorous. You know, I mean, it, they do talk about stuff that's, that's deep like racism and immigration and things like that. But it's, it's just funny. And it's just, um, a lovely look at a family, even though the family sort of falling apart, um, at how hard Trelawney tries to keep them together and the heartbreak that comes when you, fail at keeping your family together. But I just I thought it was really, really good. This is his debut book, which I'm amazed by. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it just kind of shows America from the perspective of an immigrant, which I always enjoy that perspective, like seeing your own country through the eyes of someone new. Mm-hmm. So I really liked it.
0: Did you listen to that, Erin? Or did you read? No, the- I read it. Yeah. So I, that's the book I started last night,
2: oh, um, yeah. and it
0: is—it's really good. The writing is really good, and you're kind of hooked immediately. I think. Exactly. I'm worried some readers are gonna be like, "Oh, short stories not for me." But it's really—they're connected, and so it doesn't feel like. Yeah, a short I wouldn't even clip.
2: call them short stories. I had—I yeah. would have called—I would have called it a novel, but uh-huh. the way it's told is in a series of short stories. So you do yeah. kind of jump from perspective to perspective, but. They're all tied together. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be put off if you don't like short stories. I think this yeah. would be well-liked by people who just enjoy a good novel.
0: Okay. My next one is going to be in my top 10, top five, top book. I don't know. It's going to be up there uh, of the year, which is The Book of Goose. This is by Yu Yun Lee. I read a quote from this book at the top of the episode. This book releases on September 20th. I wrote in the notes, why is this book so good in all capital letters? (laughs) Because I was like, how am I going to explain this to people? Um, If you are a longtime podcast listener or bookshelf supporter, to me, this is an Annie Lucy hybrid. I immediately finished this one and told Lucy she needed to read it because... I think it's very much in her wheelhouse. But basically the book is about Agnes and Fabien. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce those. They are two French young women living in post-World War II France. The book is told from Agnes's perspective in her adulthood. And she's so she is looking back on her childhood and her childhood friendship with this young girl named Fabienne. And basically I don't want to give too terribly much away it reminds me a lot of um, Elena Ferrante's my brilliant friend book but basically these two girls are living in the French countryside and Fabian is a bit of a troublemaker a bit of a bit of a scamp and she tells Agnes that she thinks they should write a book and Agnes is the one who goes to school and so she writes what Fabian kind of tells her and Fabian kind of creates these gruesome, fantastical stories about their French village and they befriend the local postmaster and the book winds up becoming published and Agnes is selected as the writer. So like no one knows that Fabien actually created all these stories and Agnes just wrote them down. And so there's, there's just adult Agnes kind of looking back on this and like why this happened and why she and Fabian were even friends. It's a lot about childhood friendship and who you kind of gravitate towards and would you still be friends with them if you met in adulthood Um, and then why they chose to kind of live this lie and the consequences of this lie. So the consequences for Agnes and the consequences for Fabian. I thought it was so, so good. The chapters are really short, which I think contributed to my ability to read it fairly quickly because it's a book that I think you can really get lost in. I adored it. It's very out it felt outside my typical genre because it's a little bit more historical fiction. Um, but the themes are themes that I really love. Um, there's a lot about creativity and the writing life, and again, lots of thoughtfulness about friendship that I really loved. So, um, and the cover, y'all, the cover is I don't know why I love it so much. It's just the most beautiful thing I've seen. it's like a work of art. Um, so this is the Book of Goose. It's out on September twentieth. I love this book
1: is the, is the book they write called The Book of Goose? Where does there the is, goose come in?
0: <laughs> there is a, there is, I don't want to spoil things, but okay. geese play an element, play a role.
1: Okay, okay gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm going to love that book just because I have a cat named Goose. And then every I time you, you say it, 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 I just think of, oh, it's a book about Aww. my cat.
0: <laughs> you should buy it and put it on a book stand in yeah. your home, like on your mantle. You should,
2: you should yeah. read it to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I so created feel like- a great picture in my head. Uh, Okay, on a very different note, um, my next middle grade book is called The Vanquishers by Callan Bayron. This is out September 20th. And this is about a group of kids living in a world after all of the vampires were vanquished from their town. (laughs) But it's really fun. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like three-fourths of the way through it right now. And I I slowed myself down because I'm just enjoying it a lot. This is her middle grade debut. She's written a YA fantasy series before this. Um, I think it started with this Wicked Fate, if anyone is familiar with that. I did not get a chance to read it. But this is about um, three best friends, Malika Cedric and Jules, who they all live in like the same little cul-de-sac and their parents are best friends. But their parents were around when the vampires got vanquished. Um, One of the vanquishers, the people who killed off the vampires, was like, uh, I think it was Jules's grandmother was one of the big vanquishers. So like she's kind of infamous in that way. But these three kids are kind of like the uncool kids at school because their parents still like vampire proof their house and they have to be in before dark. And like they still have a lot of rules because of said situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a new kid, Aaron, moves into town, into their cul-de-sac. And they start hanging out with Aaron and then one day at a skating rink uh, party for the school, Aaron goes missing and everyone starts to think that the vampires are back and these three kids try to figure out what's going on. It's a lot of fun. The book is just it's really great. There's a lot of respect for the children and their thoughts in this book that I really appreciated. Some people don't take them too seriously, but you can tell they're actually on the right path of things. I don't I don't know how to better explain that. I just really appreciated the writing in this book, and I'm enjoying it a lot.
0: What's that kids' book series about zombies? Last Kids on Earth. Last Kids on Earth, yeah. Would those people like this? Absolutely.
1: I think this would be like the next step up from that. There's a lot of pictures in that book, and there are no pictures in this one. But I think the plot would would keep them entertained. Okay. Okay,
2: good. Okay, my next book is How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water, which I just love that title. It's by an author named Angie Cruz. This one comes out September the 13th. It is fiction. It's about a lady named Kara Romero. She is from the Dominican Republic and she's currently living in Washington Heights. Like the Washington Heights, as in like in the Heights, if you you know you know <laughs> that's right <laughs> but she the whole book is basically her her story is told in the format of her going on job interviews talking to people like at sort of like a staffing agency doing interviews with them so it's all from her perspective it's like you're only hearing her side of the conversation but at times she'll stop and almost like answer the person, but like, you don't hear the question. So I just found that really cool. That was a cool way to tell a story. And it's um, some of the chapters are like job applications. And so you're finding out more information about her through her filling out these job applications. So the whole story, it's like sitting, you know, it's like she's sitting in this person's office, and she's just telling them her life story. And they're kind of like, yeah, let's get back to the job application, you know, but it's so fun because she is just telling her story about her. She tells about her sister, about her son, um, about all these working jobs she's had and these working conditions and living as an immigrant in America. again, there's that theme again. but it is um it's just funny. She's sassy. She also uses a lot of Spanish, which I love. I've been taking Spanish for the past like three years. And so I loved to try, I know. Erin is so Um, complicated. I love it. I love trying to like, you know, I love being able to know what she was saying in Spanish without having to like look it up. Um, but it's not so much that if you didn't know Spanish, you wouldn't understand the book. Like it's just kind of a little, those are fun little nuggets for me to find, but, um, I, it's not very long. It's kind of a short, uh, it's a short book. So, I think you just fall in love immediately with this lady. Like, you know who this lady is in the first chapter and you cannot wait to get to know her better. And I, I found it very humorous and very heartwarming and I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, that's good. I have yeah. that. I literally have that one. I'm looking at it over here. It's one of the books I'm hoping to read today. <laughs> it's good.
1: <laughs> the six books you're oh, hoping to read today. One of
0: those that I'm hoping to tackle today. Um, okay. My last one is Less is Lost. This is by Andrew Sean Greer. It's out on September 20th. Again, I feel like I've talked about this one quite a bit just in recent podcast episodes, but Hunter and I read Less, the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel from 2018. We read that this year for a Backlist Book Club episode of From the Front Porch. and I did not. This was totally serendipitous. We recorded that episode, and w- in preparation for it, I realized, oh, the sequel is coming out this fall, which before had not super been on my radar because when I first tried to read less back in 2018, I didn't like it very much, and you can hear kind of all about that on that other mm. episode of of the podcast. But this is the sequel. Um, it is called Less Is Lost. I will be honest, I don't – I'm not always a huge fan of sequels. Like I think, Erin, you're going to talk about some sequels that mm. they're the only sequels I really believe in. But Les is back. His This is Arthur Les. He's kind of a quirky, middle-aged uh, gay writer. And he and his boyfriend have been together for a few months. So the books, the book is set just a few months after Les ends. And so – the book Less is kind of about a global journey that Arthur Less takes. This is a cross-country American journey. So I almost thought about the book Uh, Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck or something like that. It's like a road trip novel set across America, which I do think will be interesting because Arthur Less is a very funny character um, and hijinks ensue wherever he goes. So I do think this will be interesting. I don't know the book ended less, ended so beautifully that part of me is very much like, oh, just leave those characters where we left them. That was a lovely way to end. But if you're interested in a sequel, it is releasing on September 20th. Um, The reviews have been okay. Like I don't think it's going to be another perhaps Pulitzer winner, but I think if you liked less, you will probably also like this because um, the character is the same and his personality is the same. So Les is Lost by Andrew Sean Greer out on September 20th.
2: Have you heard whispers that there, this could be more of a series or do you think this will really be the last one? I
0: think this will be it because of the the reviews are fine. <laughs> yeah, I so I think I gotcha. think this is going to be it. Um, I'm so curious. I can't wait to hear. I'm sure he uh, Andrew Sean Greer will make the rounds in interviews, and I'd love to hear why. I mean, I, of course, there's the obvious. Oh well, you know, the first one was successful, so I might as well write a second one. But I'm just curious as a writer and a creator, as an artist, did he want more of less? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did he like? Yeah, did he want good. more of that? Yeah. Did he want more of that character? So I'm just curious to kind of see the impetus behind it.
1: Okay. Um, My last one is a middle grade novel. This is for sure 10, 11 and up, but this is The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander out September 27th. And this is the first of a trilogy that he is writing. Kwame Alexander... It is really known for writing in verse. In in my very humble opinion, he wrote Crossover and Booked, which was a series. And then he also wrote Becoming Muhammad Ali with James Patterson, which I, I thought was a really great uh, middle grade book. This one is super interesting. This follows a boy, Kofi, who lives in Africa at the time where Africans are starting to be taken and made into slaves in America. You first meet... Coffee, uh, going to school and just living his everyday life, talking to his best friend, hanging out with his brother. He like makes a he gets into like a competition with his cousin to see who's the fastest swimmer. He's just a little boy living living his life. And then him and his brother get taken. Um, and there are some definite hardships in there. Um, but that make for why I say 10 and up. I think this is perfect for kids who loved like Alan Gratz's Allies and Ground Zero um, and those sort of books who, who want to know more about the history of certain situations and are prepared for what they are about to find out. <laughs> Hopefully I have given that warning. <laughs> well. But I do think this book uh, for adults and kids both is a necessary read. This follows Kofi as he's taken into slavery, and you leave him off as he is looking upon the shores of America on oh. a ship that he has boarded. Mm-hmm. It is so beautiful. Again, it's written in verse, and I think Kwame Alexander does that so well. Um, and I do love books written in verse. I mean, Otter was also written in verse, and I yes. think it, it, Adds a level of seriousness to it, but also takes away a little bit from the trauma of the situation, which is probably necessary in a book like this written for children. But it was so well done. I'm really excited for the sequel. And then the ending, this was The Door of No Return by Kwame Alexander.
0: And it's going to be a trilogy, you said?
1: Yes. Yeah, a trilogy.
2: I have that one on my list of like audiobooks to listen to. So I'll have to let oh, you know.
1: So good audio.
0: Oh, I bet it, it would be too. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think that sounds fascinating. Um, my last one is Lucy by the Sea by Elizabeth Strout. It comes out September the 20th. This is about Elizabeth's character, Lucy Barton, who has been featured in other books, as well as her ex husband, William, who has also been featured in other books. So it is set during. The pandemic and it almost feels like too true to life. Like if I didn't know it was a fiction a fictional book about a fictional character, it's very realistic in the sense that they start to hear about the pandemic in the book and her ex husband William says, I think this is gonna get pretty serious. We should probably go and live in my friend's cabin in Maine. So even though they're not together, they do have two grown daughters together and they are friendly. So they go live in this cabin up in Maine to sort of protect themselves from the virus and they are living in a literal bubble almost i mean they are it's just the two of them they don't have any activities except for what they can do that keeps them alone which is like walking you know sitting <laughs> reading talking things like that and so this it feels so intimate because it's just about them and what they're going through and their feelings about the pandemic and It creates this sense of um, vulnerability that they both start sharing secrets, and they talk about their past. You know, William cheated on her multiple times, and Mm -hmm. it's sort of they start. They're able to just talk about these things that would normally be taboo, but because they're stuck together, they kind of just figure like, why not? We should just talk about these things, get them out in the open, and. Meanwhile, their adult daughters, their lives are also kind of changing because of the pandemic and things are happening there. So it was so beautiful to me. I I think I told someone it felt like a quiet novel. It um, was just so focused on the relationship between Lucy and William and their daughters. And the pandemic was almost itself a character in this book. But I just found it so enjoyable to just kind of read about someone's inner thoughts about their relationship about how they dealt with the pandemic. It was a little bit triggering to read about the pandemic <laughs> when it feels like it was, you know, like it feels like we're just kind of coming out of it. And it just felt like kind of jumping back into those same emotions that we all had during that time. But if that's not a thing that is triggering for you, then I I definitely think if you have enjoyed Elizabeth Strout's other books, you will also find this one very good. I'm so excited about that one. Yeah.
0: I've already like, I, feel like I rarely get her books in ARC format. And so like it, I get a lot of joy when they come in and I get to buy it like a normal, like, like, like a, normal a normal customer person. and I get to take it home. Yeah. Um, Olivia, you had a couple of books that were parts of series that you were just going to mention, I think.
1: Yes. Just very quickly. I don't want to go into plot because uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but I want them to know it's coming out this month. Mm-hmm. On September 13th, the sequel to Once Upon a Broken Heart, which is the spinoff series of Stephanie Garber's Caraval, The sequel comes out. I read it over vacation. It was incredible. Probably one of the very few romance series that I will read. Mm-hmm. And then the final in the trilogy, uh, the Scholomance series, series by Naomi Novik comes out September 27th, and that is The Golden Enclaves. I have not gotten an ARC or an e-galley of this, so I am anxiously awaiting the release so I can finish this series that I really, really loved.
0: Oh, good. I saw that one in the catalog and thought of you.
1: I'm so excited.
0: Yay. Thank you. Also, y'all, that's a lot. It does a lot of books in September, and we barely scratched the surface. Oh, barely. There's so much coming out. (laughs) yeah get ready, so much get ready get ready people yeah. <laughs>
1: get your <laughs> you need like an Wallace. ending reel of just all the books missing from this yes
0: <laughs> because there are so many yeah. it was so hard to narrow it down yes. and I just try to tell myself people want us to narrow it down for them so mm-hmm. that it, like I just keep telling myself like people like this like they want it to help them with decision fatigue because it feels a little you feel a little guilty for leaving books off like for not mentioning yeah. all the books yeah. But there are lots of books coming out in September. Get your pocketbooks and your library holds ready, <laughs> because a lot of a lot of books are coming. Erin, it was a delight to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I think you'll be back, right? I hope. Oh, we'll absolutely. Be back.
2: Anytime. Yeah.
0: Yes, we're hopeful that this will become a regular. Th- I don't. I don't want. To, what's a different word from threes? <laughs> 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 I was what, like, where, where
1: is I she going with us? A trio. A trio. trio. Thank you, a Aaron. That
0: was right. <laughs> that was it. Uh, we hope this will become a regular trio for you. um Don't forget, one last reminder, that if you purchase or pre order any of the titles we talked about today, you can go to the bookshelf, com It's just com And you can. Tap Podcast, shop from the front porch, and you'll see all today's titles. And then use the code new release please at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your order. This week, I'm reading Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nyari. Olivia, what are you reading?
1: I am finishing up The Vanquishers by Callan Barron.
0: Erin, what are you reading?
2: I just started to listen to We Should Not Be Afraid of the Sky by Emma Hooper.
0: From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cammy Tidwell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Or, if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support—Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.